Geekly Yoked is a proud member of the Crossover Nexus. To find more blogs and podcasts about the intersection of faith and pop culture, check out crossovernexus.com. Tell them Bilbo sent you. So many ways to say I love you in different languages across the land. You haven't heard them all, so I'll tell you as only a true geek can. Hello and welcome to Geekly Yoke, the world's best married Christian geek podcast. As On hiatus for the last baby. Uh, I looked it up. <laughs> baby and, and a half. Uh, yeah, baby and a half. <laughs> Our last episode was in uh, uh, 2015. 15, I'm going to guess. Nope. To, uh, August of 2016 when we oh, did okay. Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, right. Ghostbusters. Power. There we go. So uh, we're back and we're here to discuss The Good Place, our hiatus perfectly encapsulates the entire run of the good run place. of the good place it's the true most theologically and geek-tastic podcast, uh, show of and i have so many feelings but who are we let us tell you oh no i have feelings as always i'm leeman kessler i'm rachel kessler with all the feelings that's mother rachel kessler mother with rachel all kessler. the feelings i am a chaplain and an episcopal priest here in Gorgeous Central Ohio. I am a stay-at-home father, a village council person, and Ohio's foremost H.P. Lovecraft impersonator. Rachel, what are your feelings? <laughs> I have so many feelings. Uh, if you have not seen the finale for season three of The Good Place, uh, please st- stop now. Please stop listening to this and go and watch that finale. And if you haven't seen any Good Place, go and watch all the Good Place. Then go... Then come back. No, no, no. Then go and listen to all of the official Good Place podcast Right. with Mark Evan Jackson. And then once you've uh, digested all of that, then you can come listen to our bizarre musings about this show. And like, seriously, this is a podcast this, like, not, not equally yoked, but this particular moment is an emergence of Oh, hey, I finished my sermon early. We should just sit down and talk about the good place to the internet for like the next half an hour. There's been very little forethought put into this. But there have been just a lot so of... You, just so you're clear on what you're getting into by continuing to make the life choice of listening to this podcast, which may be a questionable one. There may not be a lot of forethought, but there are, as mentioned, a lot of feelings. True. So, let us jump right in to the very end of Season 3, Chapter 39. Mike Schur played me! Mike Schur did play me. He played me! I... I mean... He took my little heart into his hands, and then he crushed it! (laughs) I'd like to say that, you know, I didn't see it coming, but it's so hard to see anything on this show coming. I know, it's true. I mean, like... All right, let's let's look at some. I was of the... lured into it. You were. Lured. I was. Lu- I thought, oh, now they're they're together. And Your action figures are kissing. They Rachel. are. I'm okay. I mean, if you have ever listened to this podcast before, or you have met me, I'm a shipper. It's true. I really am. Rachel loves her people, and she loves it when they talk and kiss. I do. I really do. So this. I, I really wasn't sure how things were going to end. I thought, I almost thought that the end of last episode would have been like a nice cliffhanger to see us off yeah, into yeah. the season four uh, with Michael, you know, having his panic attack and sort of crumbling and Eleanor having to take on. Well, I mean, from that, from that standpoint, 
I actually, I mean, I thought this was an interesting episode of The Good Place because not that much happened. I mean, like, epi- they, they joke about how, like, half a season for most shows can get crammed in one episode of The Good Place, right? And and in some to some degree, this was much more of a character piece than we typically get on The Good Place. Which, except this season has had lots of these sort of little character pieces or bottle episodes. I guess that's true. Like, there's been all these sort of moments where they're all kind of stuck dealing with stuff, and yet somehow 8,000 things happen. Right, Like, right. you know, because in the previous episode with Chidi seeing the time knife, like, we just got introduced to so many new... Co- we got introduced to the time knife. <laughs> we got to see the and, IHOP. And uh, the need noggle. And the need noggle, which Amanda still has lots of questions about the need noggle, and why was it around that girl's neck, and why because was it... Because why did we allow Amanda to watch this? Oh, we were watching a during we, Martin's nap. We wanted to see yes, it, and so true. Amanda got to see it. <laughs> We are good parents. And uh, yeah, for parents. I introduced our daughter to the Spice Girls this evening for reasons. I, yeah, th- yes. I mean, she was sort of half introduced to them well, no, because she of was, Friendtopia. Well, she, that's what, that, we were watching Friendtopia and then Amanda was really into the Ziggaza. And then I was like, if she's going to do the Ziggaza, then I feel like she needed to be introduced to the cultural like. Friendtopia, of course, being one of the songs from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, a show we really should not in any way be introducing our daughter to. That's <laughs> true, but she likes so many of those music videos. She really really likes the Miracle of Birth video it's a, it's a, so I mean, much. It's, it's got a so lot of good much. thoughts about placentas. <laughs> As some, well, we don't need to go down that road. All right. So, yeah, I think you're right, though, that this episode didn't have a whole lot going on. I mean, it introduced the sort of the scheme of the bad place, which is that right. they're going to, you know, they've gotten to choose the four individuals who are going to be run through the fake good place. Uh, to see, to prove that humanity... And the Good Place podcast has confirmed that there are two individuals chosen for Jason and Eleanor. Uh, oh, yeah. Coming up uh, mm-hmm. the pipeline. Yes. In uh, the, yeah, in the next uh, season. Uh, but, yeah, we got introduced to sad, like, blogger uh, who, you know, was tormenting... Poor Tahani. Tahani during her life and now has lots of comments about her nose and is just generally insufferable. And Simone, Simone yes. came back. Oh, I was so ha- again, Mike. Sure, he just he twists my heart. I I was so happy to have Simone back. Well, but my worry about Simone is like, okay, are the is the bad place going and killing people? Yeah, I know. In that, it gets very dark. I mean, and but but it didn't seem like that. It seemed no. like that they in- indicated that they were. It was a coincidence, but it's also the bad place. So I, I'm guessing I they're leaving things open. Uh, I'm also interested about how the timey-wimey, Jeremy-Bareminess of it all plays out. Like, mm. if they have to draw four people from, like, roughly the same time that oh, interesting. Yeah. Eleanor and all of them Well, I think they wanted... I mean, I don't think they did, but I think they chose to so they could pick people to yes. torment them. But it's a question of whether, like, they'll go and get random, like, grandparents. Or, right. or again, you right. know, wait for Pillboy to die and bring him in, right? right. Like, right. that yeah. sort of... Uh, It'll be interesting to see who they pick for the other two. Yes. Uh, whether, in fact, are they crossing their fingers and hoping they can actually get Bortles? <laughs> I mean, at this point, I assume he would come on the show. <laughs> like, I just assume. Uh, but yeah, so we get introduced to this idea that the the bad place is sending people specifically not just to torment each other, but to torment the original for humans. And we get introduced to Eleanor as the architect. Which and I, I mean, I, like. I thought that was such a great move. That, I, I, I am there for this in season four. I'm really happy to be back in the neighborhood, Rachel. I am really happy to be back in the neighborhood I'm, with, I'm, with with 
puns. <laughs> with, with Megan Amram's food puns. With, with food lager. And, uh, oh, what was the other? The, uh, oh, oh, uh, Beignet and the Jets. Yes. That made me really happy. So, I mean, I was, I'm all, I'm, I'm fully there for, uh, for Eleanor as the, the fake architect. Yes. I think that, I think that plays fully, uh, that, that is a full shellstrop move. Well, and it's going back to what worked in season one with the sort of like having to lie and mm-hmm. having to like sort of be on this, you know, dancing on knives and fooling people, except she's actually fooling people because before they all knew. Yeah. So here's where I, I love the character work that's going on in The Good Place. Because Eleanor has changed so much and grown so much, but she is still fundamentally Eleanor. Right, and this is sunbaked Arizona trash. Sunbaked Arizona trash bag, dirt bag. They, she, they say so many horrible things about Eleanor. <laughs> That's true, but like, but this is using that, like, she is harnessing her powers of Eleanor Shellstrop for good, right? And and it's, it's just a nice use of that character. Um, and then this goes into, can we talk about Chidi? Are we ready to yeah. talk about Chidi? Are you are ready to ch- talk about Chidi? I don't, I'm not, no, I'm not. I just, I need, I don't have enough tea, any tea or a blanket. <laughs> I need to wrap myself in a warm wrapping of let's comfort. Just, let's just jump just right in. Jump let's in. talk about Chidi. So one could argue that Mike Schur was truly just, I mean, he has said on the podcast that they amped up the Eleanor and Chidi's happiness to make the ending more crushing, right? And and even the whole Janet's episode where Chidi is talking about identity and memory and it's remember, like, like that you, you know, the, that, that your identity is bound up in your memory, setting up for this Chidi effectively dying because the Chidi with this memory is is going away. Like, there there is a part of me that, like, what, what I have been asking myself is, did Chidi grow too fast too quickly, right? He's, he, he Chidi has just been so chill the last couple episodes uh, and so confident. When he's not seeing the so, time knife. When he's not seeing the time knife. The time knife? Yeah, that was a good moment. Um... But I think there was something really powerful in what he did. You know, so the Janet's episode took Chidi to, like, his full place of just inner neuroses as he was faced with having to confront his feelings with Eleanor and, and like, take the leap of faith, leap to faith, uh, to uh, owning his feelings for her and, and being open about them. And it was like that was something that Chidi had never done and never been able to do. Just Just be that direct and decisive and... It was like having made that decision, having made that leap, suddenly made it possible for him to to be the sort of person who could be capable of that level of self-sacrifice. And I think that's really powerful. I don't think it's an inconsistent character move at all. I think it's just such a great, you know, he, he was paralyzed by his inability to make a decision, his inability to make that kind of move, and then he did, and it, it transformed him. Well, and that's, I mean, that's an interesting thing about the show that I do wonder sometimes how, if they're sort of having their cake and eating it too. Like, because they've rebooted now. I'm willing to let Mike Schur have all the cake he wants. <laughs> they've, so they've now essentially rebooted the main cast twice and Chidi three times. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not counting the 800. Yeah. Well, I think the good thing about this reboot is that it doesn't actually, I mean, it's, it's, like, they managed to reboot the cast, but 
it's not like a full wipe because so when they rebooted the cast after season one, right, Michael was still having all the machinations. And the same thing was sort of true at the end of season two, even more so because now we have like the judge and the bad place all. Um, so it's, it is rebooting, but the reality of what happened is still part of the universe and is still part of the consciousness of other characters in the universe and still impacts on the story, which is what I think makes it not a total cheat. No. And, and this is going to be even more true because Cheaty's the only one who got rebooted. So all of the stuff that happened and all of the, all of the, the events that occurred are still going to be informing the narrative in season four. So I don't feel like it's just a complete erasure of what happened before. It's, it's mostly a question of, are the writers, depending on the growth that happened prior to the reboot, informing our perspective, our perception of the characters and where they are? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think informing our perception of the characters, no doubt. But I think they've done a pretty good job with the characters themselves of having them grow again and grow in different ways. Okay. That's all. That's all I'm... I don't know. Of, do, you, do you agree with that? Or do you I, agree I with think that? so. I mean, I think they're clever enough that they've... Left it ambiguous, and yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't think they make more work for themselves than they have to, and be yeah. like, you know, they've never really gone back to the fact that Eleanor was kind of anti Tahani for like the first bit right. of season one, right? Like yeah. that energy has never really returned. No. Um, and I mean, and the other thing is like ideas and impulses they may have had that they wanted to drop, they now can, right? You know, right. we've been talking, we've been introducing uh, Parks and Rec to folks, yes, and sort of season one of Parks and Rec is one of those like the season, first season of the of the mm -hmm. U.S. Office. Where you just kind of want to be like, uh, they hadn't quite they figured, were figuring it out. They were figuring it out, yeah. And I think season one of Good Place is much stronger <laughs> than yes. either of those. But, like, essentially, notes and ideas and relationships that they wanted to tweak mm -hmm. and change, they can yeah. in a nice canon way and be like, all right, yes, we had this idea of, like, there being kind of this Tahani-Eleanor yeah. rivalry, but that's that's not really who they are anymore. Right. Uh, the Janet thing is also fascinating and how Janet has is you know, a much different character. They're, they're actually letting Darcy Carden do more than just be a, not a robot. Well, and they, they build that into the, they build that into the canon by fact, by the virtue of the fact that every time she's rebooted, she's supposed to become more sophisticated and more human. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, I think, I think there is some slight cheating going on, but it's very forgivable cheating as far as I'm concerned. But they also, I mean, I think that they have been, you know, you could argue that it's not believable that that Chidi would have fallen in love with Eleanor in the season three timeline. Sure. Right. That they didn't have all of these experiences in the, in the good place together. Uh, they had, you know, he had, they, they hadn't been thrown together in such a one-on-one -on -one way as they were in the good, in the fake good place. And he had his relationship with Simone and, and that they just haven't had that relationship. But I mean, I think they did a, a good they did a good job of pointing out what Eleanor had, that, that Eleanor is someone who flew halfway across the world to seek out Chidi because she wanted to become a better person. She is the person who rescued him from his existential crisis <laughs> and drowning himself in canned chili, right? Like, I think they... they chili and jelly beans. Chili and jelly beans, right? I mean, I think they, they have sh made the character growth work in the different timelines that they have set up even as yes they rely on our perception of these people to color what's and, and so i think that allows the writers to take a certain degree of shorthand in that character development but i don't believe they're cheating i don't i don't ever feel 
dissatisfied. And if I they mean, are, I'm willing to give it to them. <laughs> no, I, precisely. I mean, I think that's what but, good writing does, right? Let's you, if you can notice something that's problematic and yet be like, I still enjoy this. Right. And like, if it's there, I think it's, it's very subtly there yeah. and they're very good about covering their tracks. So, pain. Pain! I mean, I don't know. Pain. Is it theologically significant pain? Well, I mean, probably. Uh, I mean, I just assume everything with the good place is. Um, but no, I think there is something to this idea of of Chidi's sacrifice, and th- this whole doing this whole podcast really came out of my uh, musings on Facebook about Chidi's sacrifice, and that Chidi's sacrifice is the most free action he has ever done because he hasn't like it, it is this incredibly morally good thing and it is this act of love and it is this act of of sacrifice because he doesn't want everyone in the world to get to get damned um because he is awkward around his ex-girlfriend but it's also like the only thing that he hasn't agonized over it's he is he is now suddenly free of this uh quest for moral certitude by just acting in love for the people around him. He had no right? stomach pains? He had no stomach pains, right? I mean, I mean, it, I think it's incredibly powerful. And this is my, you know, my relationship to The Good Place has been very interesting because I I loved The Good Place in the first season. I loved Kristen Bell. I loved Ted Danson. I loved the supporting cast that I was only just beginning to appreciate for their awesomeness. Um, and yet I was still kind of frustrated by the point system. I was frustrated in this worldview that was all about uh, attaining this unrealistic level of righteousness and having, like, I remember asking over and over again, where is grace in the good place? Where is grace in the good place? There is no grace in this universe. And it, and if, I'm pretty sure that was my first of so many good place sermons, right? I, I think at some point I did give a sermon that was sort of talking about my struggle with how good the good place was and yet wondering where there was room for grace. Well, the point system right? was very sort of like middle class and there oh, was something and yeah, very and there was something very and... yeah, like like you to to be able to be good implies a certain level of education and privilege and yeah, it was making there, donations there was, Exactly. And... Yeah. There there was there was just something that didn't fully sit well with me. And I think that's been really fascinating to see that frustration with the point system rewarded because clearly Mike sure isn't cool with it, like sees something problematic about the point. And I, and I think that as the show has progressed, it's been about challenging that system and that, you know, Chidi is the perfect example of that, of this person. I mean, Chidi to, to a degree, and also Doug Forsett, I think really feeds into this. Someone who is agonizing over trying to be morally perfect and agonizing over every decision um, and there is this suggestion, I think, as the show has progressed, that that's just not possible. It, it isn't possible for any of us individually to do all the good things to score enough points to, to get into the good place. Um, as has been established, there have not been any, there's not been anyone going to the good place in the last 500 years, which... You know, the show writes off as a commentary on modern life, which I think is is certainly true to a degree. But I think it also speaks to this, you know, how hard it is to be on one's own 
that good and what goodness is can only be lived out in community in our relationship with one another and as Chidi sort of demonstrates in in sacrifice of self for one another and I don't know that 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 can't be broken down as much as Chidi would want it to in his you know Kantian ethical framework that can't actually be broken down into a categorical imperative uh since we're talking about the point system and like the the challenging the sort of moral ethical framework of of the whole show uh as our friend tom who uh uh listens to this program and indeed was the one who sort of prompted us to uh podcast. to podcast uh pointed out how the judge going to earth mm-hmm. was a nice bit of incarnational yes. theology <laughs> oh this is actually hard <laughs> and ooh, they do not like black ladies down there <laughs> yeah I did not make that connection when oh, uh, yeah. when I was uh, watching, but no, it, it totally scans right. Like the the all knowing judge sort of going down and saying, "Oh yeah, this is really really hard." Yep. I tried googling stuff. <laughs> I googled big juicy tomatoes. Do not do that. <laughs> and but although it's interesting, I mean, like I Mike Scherer is not a a you know Bible-believing Christian by any sort of stretch. But it's fascinating to see the theology that's worked out and, like, the the weird, the weird, like, you know, devil-angel conversation taking place. Like, there's literally devil, although they're both devils, mm-hmm. having this yes. sort of battling over people's souls. But, you know, like, you know, Sean, the, the stand-in for the devil in all of this, you know, being like, yeah, it's hard, and people still suck at it. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very fascinating because that's, I don't know, like that, it's, it's a fascinating look at evil. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's such, I mean, the, the, the view of evil in the good place or in the bad place is such pettiness. (laughs) And I think there's something so powerful in that. Right. The, the men who say, well, actually, and the, yeah, I'm forgetting specific examples. No, but, but yeah, like... it's precisely. It's it's it being that sort of basic inconsiderateness mm-hmm. and, yeah, being that guy. Well, I think Mike sure said his inspiration for the show was the people, if you're stuck in traffic, the people who will go into the next lane and drive up ahead and cut <laughs> it. And he was like, there's got to be some eternal tally car, you know, po- point system. And that's got to be like minus 25 points, right? But it's those, It's but it, I think there's something really powerful and those really petty things we do in our everyday lives that are just awful to other people. And it has to do with our treatment of other people. But as the show has now pointed out, there's also just the fact that we live within systems that are exploitative and damaging. Yes. And how do you escape out of that? Right? Like just using a computer, use, you know, going to the store, like, you know, Which is my example for original. I was, I was telling. Oh yes, yes, yes. No, it was Michael was talking about how like there hasn't been anyone in the good place in the last five hundred years because of how complicated life has been, and I mean I think how much one wants to put that on specifically modern life and you know not humanity in general, but I mean that's basically how I explain original sin when I'm in baptismal baptismal prep, right? And I'm talking about like you know we are. Original sin is being born into this network of systems and relationships and, you know, that that sitting in this room with the lights on is and recording this podcast. We are using fossil fuels, which is going to have an impact on climate change and the environment and everything we do, every 
time we eat food, we are likely exploiting a migrant farmer. And it's, it's incredibly challenging. And we can't on our own escape out of those systems or bring ourselves out of those systems. Yeah, because even if you do just sort of completely try to go off the grid, separate yourself off, like... Like Doug Sporset. You're still impacting. You're still, right. like, those relationships are all still mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, and and it's not sustainable. <laughs> so it's it's fascinating to see how how they keep t- sort of, you know, cribbing from <laughs> uh, the uh, theology of uh, well, our yeah, friends. Well, I don't and- even know. I mean, I, I don't want to read into anything Mike Schur or the rest of the writers are doing, and I do not presume any spiritual or religious agenda on their part. I just, there is something in what they are doing in this show that just deeply resonates with my own faith. And, and how I understand what goodness is and, and how I want to live as a person being someone who really buys into the, the Christian narrative. So where do you think things are going to go from here, Rachel? I don't know, but I really want there. I mean, I'm really putting my money on some kind of just obliteration of the dichotomy of the good and bad place. We just end up with the place. I don't know. I'm. I just. I think. Just I everything want becomes to see... Mindy St. Clair. She becomes <laughs> the new judge. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just. I want to see some. I. I want to see the whole system blown up in some way. Okay. I mean, which is really, if you want to get into like what the Christian story is, I mean, it's it's kind of the idea that there is this point system that none of us can live up to, and by virtue of the incarnation and subsequently crucifixion and resurrection, God is blowing up. The point system. Are we going to have a harrowing of the bad place? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yes. Harrowing of the bad place. Let's bring it. But no, I mean, I think that, sorry, every time, see, I think, I think that I've done my last, like, homiletical meditation on the good place. <laughs> and then something else occurs to me that God, that God in the incarnation was blowing up the point system. I mean. Like. It's there. I need to write a book on that. <laughs> that is, that has come up a number of times. <laughs> I need to read the death book. Yes, that is true. And then write the death book. One of the best things about the uh, podcast is they occasionally will bring on the professor whose book kind of informs a lot of the ethical conversations that take place. Um, And I think he just has a book called, like, Death. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no, everyone's just, like, sitting around thinking about something. Like, like today when I was finishing up my sermon on, like, because the gospel passage for this week is Luke 4 with Jesus in the synagogue proclaiming release to the captives and prisoners and the year of the Lord's favor. And so my sermon's all like, you know, what is the gospel? And the gospel is, is freedom. And I was like, like cheating. <laughs> and I can't escape from my spiritual reflections on a good place. And every once in a while, another, another resonance will just strike me. Well, we got at least one more season for and my poor students who are subjected. Your poor students who are like demanding you have like crying about good place time. So I think they're on board. Instead of coffee hour tomorrow, yes. we could just have crying about the good place. <laughs> Everyone, all the all of the norms, <laughs> all the healthy and well-adjusted people can have coffee hour over here and all the rest of us can go to the other side of the church and cry about cheating. (laughs) Any more feelings to share? I mean, probably. Okay. 
this I didn't put a lot of forethought into this recording. Do you think okay, so now that we've we've talked a lot about Chidi and, and his you know, he's done this ultimate sacrifice, like where can they go from here? Like is he kind of done? Like how are like how is anything else he's we've we've had like Chidi like self-actualize, we've had Chidi like, you know, go with Eleanor, we've had Chidi now do the grand sacrifice for all of humanity. Like what happens to Chidi in season four? Like, is he just gonna kind of drop away and be another like NPC floating around? Oh, like, William Jackson Harper's too good for that. I mean, I think he is too good for that, but what can they do? I trust Mike Sure. <laughs> Mike Sure has painted us into a corner before and gotten us out of it. But, but I'm thinking again on these sort of grand meta-narrative, you know, sort of beats. I mean, personally, I'm hoping that we see a bit more with Jason and Tahani oh, and Janet. Yeah. I feel, I mean, Janet, we've got a lot. We've done a lot with Janet this season. Jason and Tahani, I feel, were very B-plot. I mean, they got to do well, stuff think, with I their sister. I feel like Jason got some really good. Yeah, I mean, Tahani got her, re- her resolution with her sister. I would like to, Tahani is what I'd really like to see more of. Um, I mean, Jason is a challenging character yeah. because, like, ha- you know, again, I get if there's anyone I have faith in, it is the writers of The Good Place to, to be able to really bring growth out of Jason. Um, but there there is a limitation there just with him. How do you get Jason to self-actualize at all and still be Jason? Jason. Right. Um, I mean, we did we did get but, to, we did get a, a taste of it with Suave Derek. You did, yes. Um, Tahani, I would really. I would really love to see more Tahani. Well, we will get to at least see one more season of Tahani. It's true. So, Rachel, what's good? <laughs> Kindness. Kindness is good? No, I just, yeah, being decent. Kind. I'm down. Laughing. I, I, I like kindness. Yeah. I'm here for some kindness. It's not a very specific answer. <laughs> what's good? Uh, finishing puzzles is good. Finishing puzzles is good. With small children who want to quote unquote help you. Oh, yes. Small children are good. I mean. Most of the time. <laughs> they, are, they are a blessing. <laughs> they are a gift. Thank you all for tuning in back in to hear us talk about The Good Place. Uh, we're not going to make any promises about when you hear from us again. We really are not. But <laughs> we are going to go watch uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend now because apparently it's supposed to be a glorious tour de force for Nathaniel. There we go. So <clears> maybe <throat> and, we'll... and I am fully team Eleanor and Chidi and just fully team Nathaniel. I don't have to be team Nathaniel and Rebecca, although that is definitely where my sympathies lie. But I am solidly just team Nathaniel. I'm team Old Greg, which really... I am so team Old Greg. Oh, man. Yeah, that's rough. I'm struggling, friends. I mean, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I don't have anything against New Greg. He's, he's just kind he's, he's just, fine. But he's not. But he like, is not as good a singer. Well, and I have, I have like, watched, because we let our daughter watch too much Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, like, I've just watched Settle For Me so, so many, many times. times. And, like, I know I like Greg. So we well, will see. and I've like my crazy ex girlfriend has become my car listening music oh. now that I'm driving places. Sure. Uh, and uh, what'll it be, West Covina? Mm. A little understated, underappreciated Greg solo um, from the Thanksgiving episode in season one <laughs> is I'm just like, oh man, old Greg, old Greg, you're Santino Fontana, Hans of the Southern Isles. <laughs> of the Southern Isles is, yeah. So that's uh, where you'll probably hear from us next, if at all, will be some crazy ex-girlfriend goodness, or when we come back and talk about season four of The Good Place. 
season five of Jane the Virgin. Oh, I'll probably that's have right. thoughts about that. There we go. I mean, Rogelio. There's... I need Rogelio back in my life. <laughs> there's there's lots of feelings. I watch too much TV. What about Outlander? Ooh, oh, we could do no, all sorts I of. I have so many thoughts about Outlander, and they are not positive. <laughs> I just. I don't even know where... Outlander is not good. Are you fashing, Rachel? I am fashing a little bit. I'm so sorry. And I'm still going to watch the finale. <laughs> because uh, apparently I hate myself. <laughs> but, oh, man. They the, just, like... Because I... The, sorry, Lehman has heard this rant so many times. But, like, no one is watching Outlander who is not there for Claire and... Like, there is no reason to be watching that show. Other than to be invested in Jamie and Claire's relationship. Like, Siri and Myrta. And I will also grant that if there's one thing the writers have changed in the book, it is giving Fergus and Marceline more screen time. Also, solid choice. So, you know, I can acknowledge where they have done well. But, like, Jamie and Claire and how that relationship is portrayed is the heart of that series. And when the writers give them time, give them screen time, like, they do it well. But... It feels like the writers don't trust that and think that for some reason we're there for plot. (laughs) (laughs) For colonial American politics. Well, and then, oh, and then the racism. Yeah. Oh, like, like just, you you just. Yeah. You can't. The problem of time travel shows with white people. Yeah, you just can't do time traveling white people on plantations and have it in well in any way nope and i'm pretty sure there is no person of color on that writing staff and it is just so so painful i mean to watch and i really am so sad that roxanne gay is not reviewing this season oh. because oh man that was life um for her to just call out the the horrible like she was like, I love this show. I watch this show. It is so problematic. <laughs> and it was very cathartic. There we go. So, uh, that has nothing to do with anything. Uh, I think we'll possibly have some uh, fertile ground for theological discussion when Good Omens Yes! Comes. Yes. That I'm excited about. Totally excited about that. Uh, more angels, more demons. I think we just watch so much TV because we can't, we can neither read books because of the children. Yes. And we cannot go watch movies because of the children. Yeah. But somehow television is the, the access to media <laughs> and popular culture that is available to us. It's 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 all they'll let us do. <laughs> it's so true. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, don't forget to be kind. Don't forget to finish some puzzles. It's good for you. Stories are good. Stories are good. well-told story. Very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Until next time, I've been Lehman. I'm Rachel. Geek out, y'all. If I were an undead crawler If I were an undead crawler I would break into your house I would break through your windows If I were if I were an undead crawler I'd wreck all the furniture in your house That you fruitlessly piled up against the door If I were an undead crawler If I were an undead crawler You could run but you wouldn't get far A nice and tasty two-legged meal 
If I were an undead crawler, I'd bite your leg. If I were an undead crawler, I'd hide in the dark waiting in your yard. If I were an undead crawler, Some gurgling noises. That's very attractive. I am super hot undead crawler. Good thing this. Did you just snort? Maybe. Don't they snort? If I were an undead crawler, if I were an undead crawler, we would make a nasty mess. Make a nasty mess of your face. If I were an undead crawler, if I were an undead crawler, I would not on all of your pets, especially the cat, oh, because it deserves that. If I were an undead crawler, if I were an undead crawler, I would savor your remains, maybe suck on an intestine. If I were an undead crawler, I'd chew your what we'd have in store if i were an undead crawler there'd be lots of blood and guts and gore if i were an undead crawler you know i don't actually like the, the whole blood thing what no it's just kind of, why are you only telling me this now in the it, middle of a song i don't really like body fluids i don't okay. know why you guys are all into so that so if you're you sleeping know. and you drool do you wake up and freak out well you know i've seen you drool and that's gross if I were an undead crawler If I were, I don't want to be an undead crawler I would feast on the flesh of the living I don't even like my steak rare If I were an undead crawler But I don't want to be an undead crawler I would tear out your tongue You know, I had tongue once, it was gross would you just, It was uh, spongy too Would you rather be the victim? Maybe I'd survive the apocalypse they would target you because you are chunky. What? No, I don't think I am chunky. When I am an undead crawler, you I'll rip my flesh. You know, that just makes me all uncomfortable. Stop it! If, if I were an undead crawler, fine, I'd be an undead crawler. If, if I were